Welcome to the Nutritious and Delicious podcast with me, Bethany. My mission is to support busy parents all over the world to learn time management while taking care of your nutritional, physical, and mental health. After all, a healthy family starts with a healthy parent. So I'm super excited today to introduce, I have Dr. Anita Rasik here today with me, and she is a functional medicine doctor, and she is specializing in chronic illnesses, and she deals with very complex patients. So she's been in practice for 30 years, and she is very passionate about helping getting her patients to understand the root causes and how to correct them. So these patients actually become an active part of a participant for themselves, creating long-term and sustainable health for themselves. So welcome. I'm so excited to have you here today. Thank you, Bethany. Thank you for inviting me. So I just wanted to ask you, why did you actually want to become a functional medicine doctor? And maybe you can explain to our viewers here what actually functional medicine is. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for that question. Um, Functional medicine um, is looking at, um, in in contrast to conventional medicine, that focuses on the the what, right? Like, what is this um, condition? What is the label that we put on it? You know, which we call in medicine a diagnosis. So so in in conventional medicine, it is um, all about, you know, um, the what, and then, you know, how do we medicate that what, which is the diagnosis. So uh, what what is the toolbox that we use? And that would be generally um, pills. So, pharmaceuticals, medications, or perhaps a procedure. So that is kind of like the the mainstream paradigm. Um, In functional medicine, uh, yes, we do pay attention to uh, the what, so the condition that has arisen, but um, more importantly, we ask the question, why? I like that. Yeah, why why did this arise? Um, What are the the causes? What are the root causes? And um, when we identify those, then, how can we reverse that? How can we reverse engineer the, the chronic disease that has emerged? Um, furthermore, uh, the, the toolbox is expanded, right? So, you know, we, we don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. You know, sometimes we need to use uh, the tools of conventional medicine, you know, pharmaceuticals, uh, surgeries when, you know, when appropriate. Um, but there's just so much more in the functional medicine toolbox. Uh, we're using, you know, lifestyle, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we're using, uh, you know, diet, sleep, exercise, movement, stress reduction. That's that's the, um, you know, the base of the, uh, the functional medicine toolbox, but we're also using, um, you know, nutrition, nutraceuticals, hormones, and, you know, um, modalities, right? So- that's, a, that's a lot. That's really good though, <laughs> because what it sounds like to me for functional medicine is that it's a holistic approach versus it's getting people sort of at the end of a state where they're already in disease and they're needing sort of that fix right away. I love how it approaches it as a why, like why are we getting this in the first place? Why are we getting these chronic illnesses going on and looking at it from how do we kind of reverse this um, in a different way. And there's so many things that you can do, I guess. Like, I didn't realize like this hormone, everything that you can do. Yeah, yeah. And, and you asked, um, so in terms of why, why did um, yeah. I get into this kind of medicine? Um, well, I, honestly, I got into this medicine a, a few years back now um, when I discovered that it, it existed. Um, 
and it was very intriguing. Um, and I had my own health issues as well. So I kind of went down this uh, path of getting uh, educated in this kind of medicine. And I used this, um, this approach and this um, toolbox to uh, address my own health issues. And, and that really made a difference. And I wanted to bring this to patients as well. And, and so that's how that came about, that I kind of made a career shift a few years back. That's wonderful. I love that. Mm. So we're actually going to ask you today, we're going to pick your brain a little bit because you do have quite a bit of um, help here that you can give to these moms here. And today we're going to talk on the podcast about four ways to actually support our immunity right now with everything going on in the world. And I'm really curious to see your professional suggestions as to what we can do for ourselves to keep ourselves healthy as just individuals and also our families as well. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, one thing, um, I'm, I'm a huge fan of vitamin D. Love it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, um, as you said, with what's going on in the world, one of the, the biggest risk factors for coming down with, with um, you know, immune-related um, you know, d disease is uh, vitamin D deficiency, yeah. right? Yeah, so, um, you know, and, and we live in Canada, so um, that can be a challenge to be replete <laughs> in uh, vitamin D status. Now, uh, we are, we're out of uh, our summer months right now, but, you know, um, our, if we had good vitamin D exposure during the summer months, um, that could theoretically carry us through um, for about six weeks. So if you go on holiday, mm -hmm. you know, if you're getting lots of sun exposure, um, you could have uh, decent vitamin D levels for about six weeks after that, right? Um, and, and that's provided that, you know, in the summer, you know, you were actually getting outdoors. So it's not just enough to say, oh, it's summer. I don't need to uh, worry about my vitamin D level. Definitely. Right? Um, yeah. So um, you, you really need to be outdoors um, during the right time of day. You need to have um, exposed skin. You know, you can't be, um, you know, blocking it with uh, excessive sunblock um, and, and that sort of thing. Right. So, and, and you know, and I'm um, also a proponent of, of checking levels, right? You know, a couple things to keep in mind in terms of like, you know, our ability to make um, vitamin D naturally, um, the more fair uh, one's skin is, the more um, able the, the person is to synthesize vitamin D. Um, and so the darker the skin, the more pigment that process gets blocked because it is um, the action of ultraviolet light on cholesterol actually. In Interesting, the skin, right? And, and as we get older, that um, that biochemical process doesn't work as well. Yes, and I also I also usually um, tell people that you need the vitamin D in order to absorb the calcium in your system too. So they, they are, yeah, they they work synergistically. Yeah, for, yeah. For for many many, uh, of course, we're we're focusing on immune health today, but mm -hmm. you know, vitamin D is also important for. It's actually. Um, not a, to call it a vitamin is actually a misnomer it's actually a hormone right? interesting so it acts, yeah it acts like a hormone in the body um but it acts uh on every kind of pretty much uh tissue so for, for bone health you know people may be aware of that but um certainly heart health it, it plays okay. a big role in that immune health we mentioned uh, brain health mood um you name the organ and vitamin d plays a role yeah, definitely. I think with everything going on in the world right now, I think vitamin D for mood is is a big one. And I think there's a lot of people that are sort of looking for alternative routes. But I think at the core of it, vitamin D would 
greatly help a lot of people um, boost their mood throughout this time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I guess with the with the sunblock on, it actually blocks the vitamin D out. Um, what can adults sort of do for their children if like, obviously like I have two boys, so I'm lathering them up in sunscreen in the summer and they're probably as pale as I am right now. So they probably don't get a lot of actual sun exposure in a sense of like getting tanned. Um, what can sort of parents do for children that can't sort of take the vitamin D, I guess, tablets because you have to sort of just swallow them, right? Well, uh, I, I guess I would ask you why um, are you always using um, sunscreen and, and, and do you really need that? So I'm I'm not saying that, you know, people should go out and get uh, sunburned, but mm-hmm. I think that getting safe sun exposure is actually a healthy thing. Yeah. You know, I do, but yeah. I do personally do a bit of balance with my boys. Like I know if we're at the lake or something and it's like a really, really hot day, I'm going to laugh at them in sunscreen, but there's other times where they're just casually playing outside and I'm like, you know, it shouldn't be too bad if we're kind of in the morning or the evening. Um, obviously the peak times of the day when the sun is really hot, you know, kind of around noon, one o'clock or so. Most people are usually lathering up their ch- uh, children with um, vitamin. Sorry, with the sunscreen. I personally use vitamin D drops um, for my boys, um, mm-hmm. and obviously didn't realize I was not giving them enough. <laughs> so uh, it's. I don't think also people understand with um, vitamin D because it is a fat soluble vitamin. It does take a, it does take time for your body to accumulate that. So can you kind of talk a little bit on that for people that don't really understand that? Uh, yeah, so I mean, what I would say about that is like, um, you know, one, one thing that we also um, are experiencing kind of like collectively as, um, you know, a- as people is that um, there is kind of an epidemic of um, overweight and obesity as well, right? And, and so then that is also a risk factor for for illness, you mm-hmm. know, that is immune related, right? Right. Um, and, and part of that um, is, is that, uh, vitamin D being um, fat soluble, it gets sequestered in fat tissue. And what is, so it's what not does that se- mean? Sorry. I, I mean, it gets stored, it gets oh, okay. stored in fat tissue okay. and it's not freely available circulating in the blood to right. work on other organs. Right? Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So, um, you know, somebody that, and I forgot to mention that earlier, so somebody who is has um, excess uh, adiposity or, or fat um, would probably need to have even more. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. It's, it's good to know that because vitamin D obviously gets stored in the body. And like you said, even if you've been exposed to sun and that wears off, it can last what you said up to sort of six exactly. weeks. Exactly. So that's because it's stored in, in fat tissue and it can get released over time. That's yeah. interesting. So I guess kind of going into the winter months and we're seeing less sun, I guess, because maybe we're going outside less people would sort of have to keep those levels up in, in regards to going into winter still. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yes, we're outdoors more, but it also has to do with like the amount of sun, the angle of the sun relative to the earth. So all of that has shifted. Mm -hmm. So even if you were outside um, as much as you were during the summer months, it it still would not be the same. And I do, uh, as I said, I'm a proponent uh, of measuring and and supplementing. That's required, you know, and that would be, you know, personalized to the patient. How, how would you sort of measure that? Like, what do you do with your patients? How do you measure the vitamin D levels? It's a blood test. A blood test, yeah. okay. Yeah, so we can yeah. measure it through the blood. Yeah. That's excellent. Yeah. Okay. What's number two for our lifestyle changes here and supporting our healthy immunity for, for this? Oh, I would say sleep. 
I, I, you know, and I'm not even sure that we can kind of put them in like ranks, but yeah, um, yeah I, I think that sleep is is so crucial, and um, so amount and and quality. I think, yeah, quality would be, I think there's a lot of people that say they sleep sort of the seven, eight hours, but you know, they're actually not having the sufficient sleep, especially people who I notice who are obese, um, maybe, you know, snoring and not breathing at nighttime and kind of waking up too many times. I would say that they probably have a less quality of sleep. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like what you're describing, obstructive sleep apnea, yeah. that is, is a very common condition. Um, but yeah, I mean, sleep um, or in inadequate sleep, uh, I would say less than, for sure, less than seven hours um, of total sleep is um, associated with an increase in pretty much every kind of um, morbidity and mortality that you can imagine. Right. So, yeah, but, uh, but, you know, I do recommend seven and a half total sleep hours, you know, or more, you know. Um, I'm also a big, um, big fan of, of uh, tracking sleep and um, and getting sleep metrics and, and measuring sleep because getting sleep data um, I think can really inform people and give people an insight as to oh okay so I'm not sleeping as well as I thought and I'm not mm -hmm. getting okay that amount of total sleep but you know on top of that um, it's also important to get a certain amount of deep sleep mm -hmm. you know REM sleep but, but deep sleep is where uh, recovery happens where healing where healing and repair happens what would you say to probably a new mom because I know I experienced this with my first son um, I had a very colicky crying baby that did not sleep more than probably two hour stretches um, and obviously moms are in that category too I'd say new moms um, of babies waking up through the night and they don't get probably a lot of quality sleep um, if you were sort of talking to a new mom and trying to get her to get more quality sleep, how would you sort of advise her um, to kind of get more sleep or, you know, does she sleep when the baby sleeps during the day? Like what could she sort of do to maybe help herself? Yeah, um, that, that's tough. That's a real challenge. Um, and I don't think that kind of like getting, kind of napping during the day really uh, makes up for the deep, um, restorative sleep that happens uh, at, at night. Right? What What are your thoughts on, because I've heard kind of contradicting on this, but like napping throughout the day, um, if you're tired, is it actually a good idea to nap 20 minutes or so? Because I, I heard obviously going into sleep cycles, you know, I'm not sure, uh, I'm not a sleep expert obviously, but I don't know sort of how long does it take to get into that cycle or are we kind of just briefly sleeping and not really getting an, an adequate like um, energy boost because I know for myself included if I go to sleep I sort of wake up even tireder which is probably not good either right it's not very good quality yeah and again I, I would personalize that I, I think what's the most important thing is that we try to be uh, in sync with the circadian rhythms of the earth right so we are meant to um, sleep when it's dark and we're meant to be awake and active when it's light right right so, you know, um, when you have reversal of that, like there are some people that, um, so, I, you know, back to like the, the sleep uh, quality thing, it's not just about amount because people that say that do shift work, oh, yeah. um, maybe they get eight, nine, 10 hours of sleep during the daytime. And that's tough. Okay. I've done that one too. <laughs> and then they're yeah. awake at night. Well, that, that, you know, we know that, you know, nurses 
that do shift work, um, there's a connection between that and cancer, breast cancer. So yeah. um, it's actually, shift work is actually considered uh, a carcinogen. So, um, yeah. so as much as possible, I would say, you know, um, it takes signals from, from nature, it takes signals from uh, the environment. You know, we need that exposure to darkness and we need that exposure to natural light. So, um, but yes, if, if one needs to nap, do do take that rest. But, um, you know, if it is, um, you know, interfering with you being able to sleep at night, then maybe it's not right. It's it not the best approach. Right. I, I totally understand the, you know, the night shifts too. When I did, when I was doing nursing, sorry, my nursing practicums, um, I was having to do the night shifts. I think it was like 11 p.m. to like seven in the morning. And even though I was able to stay awake, it didn't feel normal. It didn't feel natural. Like my body was almost screaming at me, like you need yeah. to go to sleep and trying to sort of force my body to sleep during the day. Even with blackout curtains, it was, it was again, that rhythm, right? It just wasn't there. And it takes a lot of recovery I've noticed to kind of get yourself, you know, into that different rhythm. Absolutely. Yeah, we're not, we weren't designed. Uh, we are diurnal creatures, meaning uh, we're not nocturnal, right? You know, we are, <laughs> but, but some animals yeah. are, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? So we're, we're meant to be, you know, doing things during the daytime and, and we're, we're meant to be sleeping and resting at night. Definitely. Love it. So thank you. Yeah. So what's number three for us today for this one? Well, um, uh, other lifestyle things, you know, um, movement, being connected to nature, um, managing our stress. We've already kind of touched on uh, the nature piece, like mm -hmm. being, um, you know, in tune with um, the, the, the cycles of the earth, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So that is, um, I mean, that, that's how we evolved. That's how our ancestors lived, right? Definitely. So, um, you know, as much as possible, it's not just about, you know, um, vitamin D and, and, you know, being outdoors, but it's about setting our circadian rhythms. Um, and there's just something really uh, healing about being out in nature. Right? I agree. I, I do that too. And I think that's probably why um, as a family, we always like to go outside, whether we're, you know, in the mountains, walking in nature there's just something about the breeze the trees the lakes that we're walking beside it's like it brings you back to like sort of that rhythm mm -hmm. um and i think it is a good stress reduction i think for a lot of people absolutely yeah we can generally feel better but there's something really physiologic going on um there is um uh, negative there are negative ions that you know are put out by you know uh, trees and natures and even the earth and we can we can absorb that and kind of help um, you know offset that positive charge that we all tend to kind of carry that's right? interesting so yeah it helps I, neutralize I, the body's pH that's my body's energy yeah. that's that's must must be what it is because I think when you go into nature you're sort of you don't know really why but it just even just I think it's the combination of the exercise of like even if it's just the walk the movement um the fresh air the fresh you know, air for sure the yeah. trees are giving off oxygen right so it's probably mm -hmm. it's just something it clicks I don't know and I love that with everything going on right now, with everybody feeling so stressed and tense, that is a massive one I've noticed and it can cause so much illness for people and lower their immune systems. Can you talk a little bit about that? 
Um, yeah, I mean, collectively, we are experiencing um, just a huge amount of, of stress. There are, you know, and there's an epidemic of mental health, right. you know, problems and uh, a crisis. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, we've experienced, you know, um, isolation and, and stress and fear and um, that's taking a toll, right? You know, um, yeah. in terms of, you know, what what else, you know, we can, that can predispose us to getting, you know, catching things, lowering our immunity. But, you know, immunity is not just about, um, oh, you don't want to catch a certain virus or an infection, but it's also about like, um, things like cancer, That that's an immune related problem. Definitely. Right, you know? But well, um, certainly, you know, stress is, um, Stress is a huge risk factor, you know, um, for immune-related stuff, and that is also about like how does one not get, you know, something like a like cancer, right? Right. It's I've heard. I guess the the notion is that you can hold a lot of emotion in your cells, whether you're eating healthy, you're taking care of yourself. Like this, that's that one side of physical aspect of sort of nutritionally supplements, exercising, doing all the right things. But then if your stress level is like extremely high, um, myself included, you know, when your stress levels are peaking, it can really lower your immune system down. And mm -hmm. is there sort of a chemical thing that's going on? Like, are we raising our white blood cell count or anything like that? Like, are we on a defense system, do you think? Well, I mean, stress, uh, stress is a catabolic uh, force on the body means that it breaks breaks us down right. right you know so yes it can it can um weaken immunity for sure yeah yeah exactly okay well that was great so we have one more to talk about and what would that be um good nutrition yay good nutrition. <laughs> that's all i talk about is good yeah. food yeah yeah um so yeah where, where do we start with that like um I would probably, you know, as a baseline, um, first step is, um, you know, avoid avoid processed food as much as possible. And I noticed not just watching, but, you know, watching um, statistics and stuff too, is that during this whole thing that was going on, people were buying more processed food than anything because I think the stress levels were so high, people were comfort eating. So again, on a big level, we're also lowering our immune system with the processed food mm -hmm. because of the stress. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, there's a couple of factors I've noticed personally myself is that the food prices are going up. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. produce is going up um, and the stress levels. And I think that's why I've noticed personally people are eating um, less quality foods. Um, can we maybe sort of talk around like some some foods that we could maybe increase our immune system? Like, is there specific vitamins in foods we should be looking for or color of foods we should be looking for or where to buy? Uh, color foods? Um, yeah, col color, you know, rainbow. Mm -hmm. So, and, and produce, right? So, um, lots of uh, like real food, food that right. if we can, that is not coming out of a box, right? You know, um, so 
that at the grocery store would mean like, you know, the, the perimeter generally uh, of the grocery store, um, you know, not so much the um, the boxed, boxed goods, but, you know, trying to eat um, as much as possible, all of the colors, right? You know, um, the blues, purples, reds, greens, um, you know, even whites, that would be, you know, cauliflower and, you know, onions and garlics, but uh, yeah, so trying to get variety and get a variety, a variety. You know, uh, of real foods and and you know i um so so the, our veggies are produce and, and and fruits um but you know i i think that you know animal products are also um something that i think helps you know support good good health yeah well. that's that's kind of a probably another subject because this is obviously this goes into a little bit more um we're we're shifting over more to a plant-based i think that's with the whole you know food guide and everything that's been come out what's your thoughts on sort of our immunity with the meats that we're eating today like do you do you see that there's more hormones in our meats or should we be avoiding red meat um i know it's kind of as as pipe by person basis usually, but kind of in a general way, what could you kind of tell people? Yeah, I mean, um, in my experience, um, plant-based um, can be code for vegan. Okay. And um, I'm not, you know, again, it's it's a personal thing, mm -hmm. but um, that's not something that as a rule, that is, I, I would recommend to everybody. Mm -hmm. I, I would like uh, using the word or the phrase uh, plant rich. So lots, right. lots of plants and um, healthy, well-sourced uh, animal products. So um, that means not, you know, factory farmed right. you know, animal protein, you know, if possible, um, you know, organic uh, pastured um, meat from, from, an from healthy animals, right? So yeah. if animals are raised properly, then they don't need a lot of antibiotics, right? So, you know, yeah, of course we're getting all of those exposures from, um, you know, animals that are raised in, in cages, right? So that's Definitely. not going to be, you know, an animal that is not healthy uh, or healthfully raised is not going to be providing good nutrition. Yeah, humans. I've noticed that too, sort of um, the best places I've sort of seen, I guess, like wild caught fish, I would say, or antibiotic free pork or beef or bison, probably I would say in a farmer's market mm -hmm. more than anything it's a little bit more costly but the meat like you can tell the quality of meat is so much better mm -hmm. um, and you're not getting all the antibiotics and things and the hormones um, again there's so many different varying topics from everything we've talked about because that can go into you know how how you know we've grown up in in different generations and what our kids are eating now versus what we ate you know, like I still remember, you know, the milkman coming by with glass bottles, like that doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. yeah. And the other one I wanted to touch on was just with the food and like transportation. Um, you know, what's kind of your, your view, I guess now on the food and how it was grown back then and the soil content versus the soil content now and how are foods sort of being delivered to us? Like, are we getting the vitamins through our foods properly? Like, or is it kind of being ripened in transportation yeah yeah that's a good point um in my practice i do a lot of testing and i do a lot of like micronutrient testing so i actually measure nutrient levels yeah um with my patients and uh you know a lot of my patients are pretty aware and some of them are already um you know eating very well and, mm -hmm. and have um you know uh, decent lifestyles and yet um 
even with that, we can still be uh, depleted in nutrients, right? So even if we are achieving that very difficult goal of eating perfectly, mm -hmm. uh, food is not perfect, right? Yeah. You know, it's not as nutrient rich as it once was. And that is, you know, for some of these reasons that, that you mentioned, it's not, uh, you know, locally grown, it's coming from who knows where and across great distances. Right. and. And then, you know, soils are um, are not as nutrient rich as they once were. So, so that's a whole other topic then of like, okay, maybe even eating ideally is not well enough. And, and I think that is the case and that we will need to kind of also supplement a, a good diet with some definitely supplementation yeah i usually recommend the food first for people and mm -hmm. then like you said you know you see people that are eating everything they're supposed to and they're still not absorbing enough from the soil and everything else um mm -hmm. that it's grown in and and that's sort of when we start to look at okay what can we sort of give you to supplement but again that's kind of a as per basis per person um obviously so that's amazing so thank you so much for coming on to the nutritious and delicious podcast here today and uh, educating our me. viewers. Yes, thank you. Thank so, you, it was a pleasure. Yeah, so how can our viewers actually get more information about strengthening their immunity with you? Uh, well, um, I, I have a website and mm -hmm. there are a couple of uh, downloads that, um, uh, that that are on there that uh, you know somebody could peruse and see if that is helpful to them. Okay, excellent. Yeah. And I think you mentioned before that there was one about leaky gut syndrome. Is that something that um, people should be going on and finding that on your website. Yeah, I think Excellent. there's some really uh, basic information on there that can be helpful to, to you know, the average person.